Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Today's message is from a guest speaker. We pray this message speaks to you. you sit down. Come on, go on, grab your chairs. Thanks a bunch. Isn't Jesus awesome? Man, that was good pastoring this morning there, brother. That was awesome. Covering that last week thing, you know, it causes questions sometimes. Please, if you have questions, don't let your questions make you disgruntled. That just exposes your heart. You probably need to grow in some things. It's never about just getting disgruntled. If you have a question, you have a question, that's fine, but don't let it get you disgruntled and don't let it make you freak out and get afraid. That's what happens to folks. And then it exposes where we're really at spiritually. That we actually do church without becoming her. And we actually sing a lot about Jesus without letting him make us who he really is on the inside. So there's things that'll happen in this congregation. This is a fun place, man. It was alive this morning. I was excited. I was glad to be here, surrounded by kids and people. I'm looking around. I'm like, whoa. It just felt happy all morning. I was just glad I was here. I was like, yay. And uh, no, I was. And uh, there's a little bit of a trap to that. It can get so fun and so awesome. I mean, your worship team is amazing. This guy is just, I love you, buddy. It's just awesome. And everybody, it just compliments everybody. So it's a fun place to be. And sometimes that's why people go there, because it's a fun place to be. But that's really not why we're here, but I'm glad it's a fun place to be. But that's not why we're, you, you, all of a sudden you just be a part of something you enjoy. But no, we're a part of his kingdom. I'm looking at the army. Like this is the army of God. I got the whole army in the house this morning, I can tell. So I'm just going to talk to you real plain and put us all on page of why we're here and why God sent his son. And I'll probably be really foundational and repeat a lot of things I said all weekend, because it's important. Uh, but man, I'm excited. But, but I don't want you to ever just... Just get trapped without realizing it. Just coming to church because this is where you go. No, you're a part of something and you're becoming something and Christ is in you. And every face I'm looking at has a sphere of influence. This is how God influences. He has us everywhere in the community and we carry a sphere of influence. And it doesn't mean you have to blow a trumpet, take a bullhorn and shout out the Bible. It means you live like him and walk like him. You walk in mercy. You walk in peace. You walk in love. You, you have a different attitude, a different mindset than people that don't know the Lord. You have a reason for being that's changed because of him. And all of a sudden you wake up with a purpose and you're not just existing and doing life. Life is in you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And all of a sudden everything about you shifts because old things pass away when you're born again and all things become new. And if we're not careful, all we do is just receive him, believe on him so we can go to heaven and get blessings. And that's pretty individualistic, and that really doesn't affect the world. Like, coming to church doesn't change anything around you. Like, you could all come to church, and the world will never change. But if you become love, the world starts noticing. Like, the number of faces I'm looking at right now, if we start walking in love and take forth the message, it's going to pour out of my heart here in a minute, probably, because I can feel something coming. (laughs) If we would walk in this thing, all of us, times all of us, right? Like, Just say you have an impact on somebody's life without even realizing it just because your disposition, the way you handled something, and you got somebody thinking, hmm, that's interesting. Wow, that was different. See, we always think getting out of a wheelchair. We always think blind eyes opening. What about just walking in love and looking like Jesus and letting your light so shine before men? What about just having an amazing attitude and just pushing away animosity and anger and frustration and judgment and pride and jealousy and comparison? Because none of those things are who God created any of us to be. They're what we became through living separate from God. That's what we were trained up in by a lie. But then the truth came and said, hey, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. 
Man, we've made him a way to heaven and he's the way back to the Father so the Father can get back in me. Yeah? And all of a sudden, I'm a Christian. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Man, if you're not careful, you just hear messages that pertain to you, messages that pertain to you. You just, you just take in all the messages that benefit you instead of transform you. See, the gospel's not about you surviving. The gospel message is not a survival kit. This is not just some plan to stay protected and keep your household safe. It's a message that changes who you are from the inside so you live different than you ever lived before because you're alive now in Him. You take the number of faces I'm looking at in this community, because this is basically the home church with a handful of visitors. I'm looking at the army right here. I'm looking at the roster of heaven. It's central. You're the best He's got, and you're enough. Yeah? He paid blood for you. Like, like, do we really think he shed his blood and died and got beat all up and thrown into a grave and raised from the dead so we can pray a prayer and go to heaven someday? Or so that he could change everything about the lie we were all living? Come on. People think life's a grind and life is tough and life is challenging. And there's a lot of blanks we fill. Life is. And a lot of people fill the blanks. And it's usually not a good adjective. Why? Because we're all fending for ourselves and each to his own. And we're all trying to make it and fit in and be accepted and have esteem. And, and yet it's all about him. Seek ye first the kingdom. It says, love not your own life. Love not your own life unto death. And some of us are scared half to death about a lot of things. <laughs> I'm just saying. We have turned the gospel into something that serves us instead of changes us. And change is what changes the world. Come on, getting somebody to believe your doctrine isn't the goal. Getting somebody to be touched by him in your life is the purpose and the point. You walking in love, you walking in the light, you making peace. I'm serious, you just have an effect on somebody in a day without even maybe realizing it. When I got saved, I got saved. I worked with guys for 13 years and got born again. And that caused a ruckus without me trying. Why? Because I was changed. And I just went to work a new man. They came and said, what happened to you? Man. <gasps> they used to say, well, we're afraid for you. We think you're in a cult. We think you got brainwashed. That's just, isn't it amazing how fear and panic and what? And I'm like, tell me what's negative about my life, guys. You tell me one thing. And the one guy said, well, you're so polite, it makes me sick. I said, polite is not bad. But see, all of a sudden I wasn't cursing every other word and I wasn't doing what they were doing and now it was different. So it challenged, it exposed, it made uncomfortable. All of a sudden it's easier if I'm just like everybody else. Now I'm so polite it made him sick. What he's saying is that's different. I'm not polite. And I said, well, tell me how my polite is hurting anyone. See, some folks, because of where we live and came from, it's better to hurt somebody. It's better to shout somebody down. It's better to have comedy at the cost of somebody. And everybody, ha, ha, ha. But what about the person it's at the cost of? My life's so changed. They said, it looks like you're brainwashed. I laugh. I'd say, my brain has been thoroughly washed. I've gotten this phrase plenty of times. People say, man, you're out of your mind. I said, no, I'm out of yours. See, that's the difference. I'm out of yours. 
And now I don't know how to be hurt anymore and frustrated and discouraged because life is a gift. And I got this little window of time to make a mark for his name and speak for eternity on behalf of the king. And that's what faith says. Faith says I'm alive in him for one reason, to shine. To shine. It's not about my circumstances. It's not about who's doing what right. It's not about the, the, the things that are happening all around me right in the moment. Every opportunity is an opportunity to shine. If you're just living perfect, perfect circumstances, you're not doing well. There is nobody in this room. Your ducks are in a row. Nobody. As far as everything going the way you wish it would. I'm just telling you, and some are way more extreme. And here's the problem. Because we don't have a good grip, maybe. Our hearts are pure. We see our need for a Savior. We love Jesus. I am not talking to a room of hypocrites. And I did not come here to set you straight and correct you. I came here to shout loud who you are so you run well. Yeah? Because we're in a race. Paul said we're in a race. Do you think about your Christianity being a race? Do you have a goal? Are you living towards something? Do you wake up and seek him to become more? Be careful you don't get lulled to sleep and just be a part of something that looks like God and sounds like God and makes you feel closer to God without becoming like Him. Be careful you don't just get up and go to Central because it's 10 and it's Sunday and never even commune with Him and never even have fellowship with Him and never even relate to Him. Because then you'll take church attendance and let it take the place of knowing Him. But knowing Him transforms you. He said, this is eternal life. Not praying a prayer to go to heaven someday. This is eternal life. That you might know him. This is eternal life. That you might know him. The only true God. And his son. Jesus Christ. First John 4 says, if you love. It's because you know him. He said, anybody that loves. He knows God and has been born of God. If you don't love, you don't know God. He didn't say you don't pastor. He didn't say you don't lead worship or go on a mission trip now and then. He didn't say you don't go to church. He said, the, if you don't love, you don't know God. The goal is not going to heaven. The goal is becoming love. See, if the goal's going to heaven, it's a self-serving gospel. It's something that I get out of him instead of something I become in him. And then it's still all about me. That's why there's discouraged people that go to church. Because they're letting life speak louder than truth. And truth's what makes you free. And they're only doing as well as things are going instead of as good as he is in them. And all of a sudden there's so many things that are playing Lord in our life. But we learn how to sing he's Lord. But everything else is governing us. And deciding us. And all of a sudden we'd be happier if. And we wouldn't be sad if. And we'd be doing better if. But none of those ifs are Lord. Are you guys okay? Man, this is exciting to me because it's freedom. So you'll never be free unless you think outside yourself. Because you were never created for yourself. You were created for his image. Read Genesis. God made man for his image and his likeness. And if you're pursuing yourself in his name and incorporating into your life, it'll never work. If you're a Christian for your sake, you're in trouble. You will scrape and paw and have long prayer lists and be on every prayer chain and cry yourself to sleep and wake up in anxiety and think you need delivered. You need understanding. You don't need delivered. You need understanding. You need truth. 
Because the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is single, whole body's flooded with light. It doesn't say unless, of course, you're faced with many challenges and issues. No, it says if you see clear, you are clear. If you understand the why behind your life, you're on a roll. If you wake up and don't need anybody for anything to find yourself because you found yourself in him, now you're ready to love. But if I wake up and need you to find myself, I'm only as good as you're seeing me, doing me, and saying me. And God forbid you do something negative because now I'm shattered. Those days ended 22 years for me. That's what's wrong with me. I didn't wake up to need you. I woke up to love you. I woke up to impart and to be and to give. There's nothing you can do today to break my heart. My heart's established in him. I'm called to love, not need you. The only way I need you is to lock arms as an army so we can cover the earth with his glory. That's how I need you. We need one another to walk this thing out that way. But the day I need you to find out who I am, I'm only as strong as the weakness around me. Because if you're not having a good day, then I don't have a good day. And if you don't see me clear, then I don't see me clear. Now I can't even love my neighbor because I don't even love myself. Yeah? Come on, this is the gospel. And somehow, good-hearted, good-intending people all over this country, my whole life growing up, all I ever heard was Jesus died on the cross because I'm a sinner. I better receive him because he's coming someday, and I better stay in church because he's coming, and you don't want to miss the boat. And it was all about me and what I could get from him instead of what I could become in him. And I grew weary and well-doing, and I quit going to church. That was my fault. That's nobody else's fault. But I just assessed it long enough and gave myself an excuse to not go to church anymore because I was tired of just knowing I was a sinner. And somehow this mysterious God that has the ability to love me past my weaknesses died on a cross and saved me. And I'd watch the Easter story conviction. It would be on me, crucifixion stories, man. And I had more questions than answers because why would he do that for somebody like me? Many of you know what I'm talking about. You wonder why he cares so much and why he would shed his blood. And all of a sudden I found the answer when I was 33. He didn't die because I was a sinner. He died because something was lost. He wanted to get the truth back in me. He wanted to get the lie off of me. He came to save that which was lost. Not who, that. The image of God was lost in man. We were all born into Adam, guys. Read Romans 5. Every one of us was born into the lie and into the fall. And the way that seems right to a man has been our teacher our whole lives. And now we're born again. And we're supposed to be transformed and not conformed to the world. Out of darkness into light. Renewed in our minds. Yeah? That means we're thinking like we never thought before. All of a sudden the fence isn't even acceptable. Unforgiveness isn't something I'm fighting over and dealing with. It's not even acceptable. Why? Because I've been forgiven of everything I've ever done because love has never failed. And he never lost sight of my destiny, my purpose, and my value. And on my darkest day, he said, I know who I created you to be, and I'm calling you to myself. He says, now that you're saved, don't you ever judge any man again according to the flesh. Do you know how quick we have first impressions? First, some of you can be tempted right now to think, I don't know if I like this guy. He's a little too emotional, a little too aggressive, a little too active. And then you got in the car, what did you think of the guy? Oh, I think he was a little crazy. <laughs> and that's the best you can do then. Yes. Then in your God's assessment crew. Yes. Yes. You know, just print it on your car, God's assessor. I drive around to think what I think about churches and people. And you'll find that your life was a zero in the end, that you accomplished nothing. You were a seed that never fell to the ground and died, and you produced nothing but judgment. But you were in church. I didn't say that to be mean. I said that to be sober. 
Let's be careful that the things we were taught that are normal aren't still normal now that we're born again. You say, well, God gave us emotions. No, he didn't. Not the ones you grew up with. Adam gave you those. A self-centered foundation produced every one of your emotions. You thinking for yourself is where all your emotions came from, from the time you can remember. You were angry before you could talk English. Yeah? Do you think God made us that way? See, we get so lulled to sleep in the way that seems right to man. That's the problem. It seems right. That's what lulls us in. It seems right. And that the best we do is subdue us to just mirror human psychology. And well, we're this way because, and this is people, and you're this type personality, and you're this type. No, we're void of Jesus, void of life, and we've been trained by a lie. And every man's for himself, and we're all trying to make it. And from the time you were little, the time you were little, you know I'm telling the truth. You were trying to fit in, be accepted. Your heart was hanging in the balance, and you were either becoming introverted, a fighter, or broken. Yeah? And all of a sudden, by a very young age, you were decided by life and how it went down and how you responded. And it's not even the real you. So come out of darkness and get into the light and get born again. So that Christ could come into you and become your life. And now you actually have a reason for being. And it's not self-centered. It's this way. And all of a sudden, your troubles are over because nobody owes you anything anymore. So they can't let you down or break your heart. Yay. Come on. Never again will you say, I love you. Do you love me? <laughs> what a dead giveaway. You don't even understand love. You're saying, I love you for me. The relationship benefits me. I'll give to you. I hope you give back to me. No wonder there's so much trouble in relationships. Because it's needs driven. We're trying to find something through one another that we can only find through him. And I love you. It's because we all need it so desperately bad because we were born outside of love. We all need love. We all need love. We all need love. So I love you. The phrase, I love you, works. Because we're all hoping it's true. Oh, I love you. Well, I don't know, but you just, just oh, I love you, baby. I love you. Really? Yeah. Nobody else. Yeah, but I love you. This <laughs> is how it is, man. It's a starry-eyed Hollywood, sloppy, messy, deceived movie that feels emotional in the moment and leaves everybody empty in the end. And I know I'm telling the truth. Here's the problem. God made man in his image. Read your Bible, Genesis 1:26. Let us make God in our image. Verse 27, and in his own image, in his own likeness, he made man both male and female, and he blessed them. And he said, be fruitful. And first thing we do, our minds trigger to have an intimacy and getting pregnant and having kids. Be fruitful, multiply. He's talking about the image. Cover the earth with my glory. Cover the earth with my image. Everything that comes out of you is going to look like me. You take a man in the image of God and a woman in the image of God, each seed after its own kind and conceive in the image of God. What's the children? Image of God. He's not talking about get pregnant and have a house full of kids. He's talking about steward and multiply the image till the glory of the Lord covers the earth. Let's not turn this into going to church and fail to become her. Let's not sing all these amazing songs and fail to shine as a light in our workplaces, our homes, and our relationships. Come on, it's not you trying to be evangelistic. What you become is automatically evangelistic. Love is evangelistic without you trying. Come on, the last thing you want to do is let life dull your heart, dull your senses, lull you to sleep, or make your heart hard. Angry, attitudes, dime a dozen. You're sitting here with an angry attitude this morning. You're like, yeah, whatever, man. You're just one in millions. That's not special. That's deceived. 
This is your, you come home from work and you're strutting like a rooster. Your wife's been praying for you because you're Christians and she knows you've been struggling at work and she's praying for you and interceding and you come home from work and you're strutting, man. She says, what happened? I had an awesome day. What happened? I gave a boss, finally broke down, just gave him a piece of my mind. Okay, great. Now the world's a better place. One man spouted off to one man. The world's not changed. Nobody knows it. And he actually feels relieved and puffed up and proud because he scolded one man because he had a bunch of pent-up stuff. And now he actually feels like somebody because of an outburst. How shallow is that? And we've all done it at some level and we all know what I'm talking about. We all know it's true. And we let the whole world revolve around us and we're trying to find our value all along the way. To where we get so demeaned that an outburst and giving somebody a piece of my mind actually makes me feel good. And it's the total opposite of why you're here. That's why it never lasts and that's why it's not the answer and that's why it'll never work. Because it's the opposite of why you're here. You're not here to give somebody a piece of your mind. You're here to give them the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. You're here to give them your life for greater love hath no man than this that they give them a piece of their mind. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for another. Jesus never said, sing to me and pray to me when you're overwhelmed. He said, follow me. Amen. You got to be very careful when you come to a church this fun. It could just be a hangout, a safety net, a hospital. It could be a place to connect where you feel okay. Just can't wait to get to my church. I just love my church. That's dangerous language. It's good to love your church, but you're not dependent on being at this service. You already have a relationship with him. So you come here to add something to the atmosphere, not draw from the atmosphere. <laughs> and that way, when people do walk in in need and overwhelmed and life's caught up to them, we all understand that happens to folks at times. There's something to give. If you just come here to be loved, you might be deceived. And you might interpret things wrong and you might think pastor didn't have time for you because you were standing three feet from him and he never even said nothing to you. But he's got 10 things on his mind and you're thinking, well, the pastor didn't even say hi to me and he has to know I'm a strange face. People do this stuff. They go to church to test if it's loving and I'm saying it should be loving. You were there. Do you see how everything tends to be self-intended? It's all about us. It's all about us. And Jesus said this amazing thing. He didn't say, if any man come after me, let him pray a prayer and assure his names in the book of life so he can go to heaven. That's the whole push in this country, getting everybody in the book called life. The goal is transformation. He said, if any man come after me, let him first deny himself. Why? You were never made for yourself. Read your Bible. You're made for his image. Life apart from his image is life outside of why you're here. No wonder life's a grind. Want to see something? I'll actually open my Bible and make it legal. <laughs> Colossians 3. Let me just read it. Now try not to preach. Let me just read this. You guys okay? I'm not too aggressive, right? I just, listen, this is serious stuff to me, man. The Lord, God Almighty, reduced himself into the womb of a woman to pay the price to get his life back inside of us. The Lord. Let's not get religious and get lulled to sleep with Easter Christmas stuff. The Lord. Let the Holy Spirit put him in a woman and he became a man. He must think a lot of mankind. He must know there's a potential and a root value and a destiny worth paying for. This thing is not about staying the same. 
and incorporating him in. This is about being changed. Like, you got to settle in your own personal heart and get your eyes off of everybody else and say, my days of arguing, contention, needing to be right, pride, envy is ended. I'm going to stamp that thing, push it aside, it's over. And if it tries to rise up, I'm going to deal with it immediately and knock it into now and make an excuse for it because if it's not him, it's not me. Yeah? Wonder if every one of us would get strong about that and be our own best accountability partner and do justice to our own conscience. And wonder if we'd hold our own selves accountable instead of our spouses. Say, well, I wouldn't be this way if it wasn't for my spouse. Your spouse isn't Lord. Stop letting where your spouse is or isn't decide who you are today. Don't sit and listen to me preach and hope they're listening. Make sure you're listening because there's answers for you. Like, if you already elbowed him, I'm talking to you, elbower. Because what you're doing is you're making your life contingent on another person. And then their life justifies you not being like him. And you're just as deceived as what you're upset at. Oh, that's good marriage counseling right there, buddy. I'm helping. I'm helping. Helping, man. Come on. People call me as a pastor all the time. I just need you to pray for my spouse. A guy will call you, man, you got to pray for my wife. She's, I said, well, listen, let me ask you, how are you doing? Well, I'm hurt. Well, I want to know why you're hurt. Why am I hurt? Because she, okay, I understand the facts, but why are you hurt? Why aren't you hurting for her? Where's the mercy in your life? Like God's not agitated with you when you're a sinner. See, you didn't learn to be this way, sir, from the Lord. You learned to be this way from separation from the Lord. So please don't come to church and call yourself a Christian and live like you're separated from him. And call that way normal when Jesus is the way. See, we aren't people with a million issues. We're people with a great answer. Love not your own life unto death and make peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. That doesn't make you a pushover. That doesn't make you a pacifist. Jesus was not a doormat. His life didn't enable people to stay the same. His life is still changing men today. He is not an enabler. I'm not talking some mushy, cushy love. I'm talking a love that will talk to a guy on the phone that's hurting and telling me why. And I'm blowing up his why so he's not hurt anymore and challenging his heart so he can take on Christ. So he's not just another hurting spouse that's okay if his wife changes. Guys, that's idolatry. That's you making things matter more than no matter most. Are you guys okay? You're just kind of. Are you guys all right? Okay, I was getting nervous. Started to look like a deliverance meeting. I was ready to say, open the doors, let them out, let everything out. Things are coming out. Open the doors, man. I just there was a lot of expressions looking back at me. I thought, whoa, are we okay? <laughs> Come on, this is just simple, basic gospel stuff. First Timothy 1.5, the goal of our instruction is love. The goal of our instruction, the purpose of our commandment, the whole reason we gather here this morning is isn't because it's the Christian thing to do. It's because of Hebrews 10. We're to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together in order that we stir one another up in love and good works. Not so we feel qualified, get fuzzy in worship, and catch a blessing. 
Because next thing you know, all you're doing is praying for God to whack and change your boss because you can't stand him. If God don't touch him soon, you're looking for another job. And all of a sudden we prove we don't understand why he came. We have no clue why he came. And somehow we think he came to serve us in the way we need. Instead of change us to be like him. You don't lose your job. Are you kidding me? You don't look for another job because your boss is mistreating you. you. You might be the only picture of truth in his entire life. And now you're letting him quench the light and you go to church and got a basket on your head at work. You sing, holy Jesus. And then you're at work. I can't believe he said that about me. He doesn't appreciate me at all. And you're just proving you don't know the Lord. I didn't say you didn't see your need for a Savior. I didn't say you're going to hell. If you don't love, you don't know him. Which means you can't know him and not become like him. So no one on the earth truly, legitimately, genuinely has this if they don't have this. Look, I'm not being mean. I don't care about your confession. It's about expression. Christianity is not the great confession anyway. It's the great expression. You know them by their fruit. You can learn Christianese and pass for years in the minds of men. You can learn the language. Look, you can learn Spanish. That doesn't mean you're Spanish. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> was that good or what? I don't know. What are you guys doing? <laughs> Listen, listen. You're the one. You're the one that the Bible says is to guard your own heart. Not somebody else's, yours. Because out of your heart flows the issues of life. Watch how personal and ultimate and intimate this is. And it's not self-centered. Your life has created value and purpose. There's a time to be born. And here you sit. He's the author and giver of life. You're not here because a man went into a woman. You're here because God saw your day before it was seen. He marked you and made you come forth. Don't you tell me your happenstance. If life's here, it's because God gave life. There's a time to be. When my dad went into my mother, they were very young. He was an alcoholic. He was probably drunk and he was feeling it. And she probably looked good to him. I'm being real. And I came along. Now, I could say, well, I, you know, my dad was alcoholic. He probably didn't even want me. She got pregnant by happenstance. You know, I really don't have any really heritage or root value in my life. Jesus said, don't you call any man on earth your father. The word father means come forth from. You came forth from one. You have one father and he's in heaven. If you're here, he saw your day. You are not happenstance. That seed went into that egg because it was you before the foundation of the world. God saw your day. Yeah? Come on. So my dad goes into my mother on the night I'm conceived and 500 million sperm cells go race into her egg. And it's me. Swim as hard as you want. Eat your heart out. It's me. They, they just... There, there. Come on. What's, what's, the, what's the Olympic guy? Has all them records, you know? The swimmer. I don't care if they're all Phelps cells, man. They're all Michael Phelps jeans. Eat your heart out, baby. I'm coming. 
I'm coming! You are not getting in that egg, it's me! You're gonna say I'm one of millions, I'm one in millions. You get up there, they're all around that egg. Nobody can get in, little face mask, protector mask, you know, saws bent, drills smoking. I go, they just split like the Red Sea. How'd he do that? Because it was me before the foundation of the world. God saw me before I was seen, knew me before I was known. And you think, you think I believe that and I'm going to be depressed, discouraged. Well, I can't believe they said that. Well, that really hurt. Well, I wouldn't be this way if they didn't. Not today, friend. Tomorrow's not going to work either. Because the lie's been exposed. I didn't wake up for what you could do for me. I woke up to be like him. That's called Christianity. So your days of trouble are over if you're a believer. Because you've got to walk this out by faith. And you've got to push those feelings away that seem normal. And your friends that justify your pain, that have their own pain and can only relate to how you feel instead of the truth that makes you free. And I've learned this, that hurting people gravitate to hurting people. And they become their friends in that season. Because they say, I can't believe they did that to you. I can't believe how hurt you must be. Let's pray. Jesus is not there in that prayer. Because all you're doing is empowering them to stay broken. All you're doing is sympathizing as a human, calling it compassion. No, compassion is, listen, I'm sorry they did that. And I wish people wouldn't make the choices they make. And I understand offenses must come. But he never said, you have to be offended. I want to know why you are letting what they did identify you, break you, hurt you, and rob your identity. Because your life in Christ is way bigger than what they did. Amen. You follow me? That's a good friend. And then you say, now listen, we, we need to pray. I promise you, Jesus is right there. Because what you're going after is his image and his heart in people. It's not a sentimental, what we call compassion, a sentimental, empathetic response. Oh, you must be so hurting. Look, your spouse can walk out on you and I can feel sorry and I'll cry with you. I will, I, because I am so sad that people make those decisions. And for 20, 30 seconds, I'll sincerely, and it's not a joke, 20, 30 seconds, I'll cry with you and relate to, wow, this created something. This is good. We'll have to walk through this. And it's unfortunate they made the decision. But I promise you, I'm giving you 20, 30 seconds at best tears so that you understand. I understand. But then my tears are done. I'm going to look you in the eye and say, listen, now don't you let their decision stereotype you. Don't you become some broken covenant, back broken, violated, lose your identity, lose your womanhood, lose your manhood thing and make yourself all vulnerable and flip floppy and out there on the. Because their decision has no reflection on who you are in Christ, what you're created for and called to. And I'm telling you, friend, you can shine in the midst of this. That's the pastor I am. And if you don't want that kind of pastoring, you don't want me for your pastor. Because that's the only gospel that I read, understand, and know. You love not your own life unto death. 
You're not in this for your sake. You're in this for his great name's sake. And you seek the kingdom of God. And I promise you, when you deny yourself, it's the freest you've ever been. Do you put metal in a microwave? It's not cool, is it? Anybody ever do it by mistake? Yeah. You hit the, you hit the button quick to shut her down, don't you? It does make you jump, huh? It's a terrible reaction. You slip metal in. You just let a fork on a plate. You just have a little bit of foil over something and go, oh, duh. Right? Anybody ever do it, right? However microwave works, however it was manufactured, I don't understand the whole scientific details and the waves and how it works and what the metal does. I mean, somebody here could probably explain it. People are really smart with that stuff. I'm not. I'm a very simple guy. But I appreciate that kind of knowledge, but I don't have it. I can't explain it, but you know what I'm saying. The microwave wasn't made for metal. It just doesn't work with metal. So if you read the manufacturer's handbook, it tells you that and explains why. And it, you don't put metal in the microwave. If you keep putting metal in the microwave, what would you do? Destroy it. You read this manufacturer's handbook. Men were not made to live for themselves. It's right in here. It's the one thing Jesus asked you to do if you're coming to him is deny yourself because you were never made for yourself. God made you for his image and that's the biggest lie. So when man lived for himself in the garden and followed Eve instead of God, Adam committed treason. The human race fell into sin and separation from God. Watch. A minute ago, he's grafted into the vine. Him and father are one. He's in God's image and God's image is love. So Adam was made to love. As soon as he gets cut off from love, he's in need of love. Now he's bankrupt and we were all born into the need of love. You must be born again. Get grafted back in. He's the vine. We're the branches. The fruit's on the branch. And if we're not careful, we make this gospel to serve us and to protect us and to keep us. I've seen it countless times. I'm not being insensitive. People lose a family member. People lose a loved one. And they get mad at God. They get hurt. They backslide. They stop praying. What's the use? God didn't show up. And we make the gospel all about him taking care of us instead of all about him making us like him. God never gave you children at the cost of who he is. He gave you children in light of who he is so you could steward his image and impart his image, period. He said, unless you love less, your mother, your father, your wife, your children, your houses and your land, and yes, even your own life, you'll by no means be a wholehearted follower and a disciplined learner, a disciple. By no means will you fulfill what you're here for if you love something more than what I created you for. Come on, these are Jesus' words. He said, you're either for me or you're against me. You're gathered to me, you're scattered. That's not an evil legalistic phrase, guys. You could be born again. You could actually see your need for a Savior, be sincere about the cross, and believe he died, and receive him into your heart, and believe he's forgiven you of sins. And you could actually receive the Spirit of God, and then have mindsets that are still former, and mindsets of the way it seemed right to man. And you could actually be a Christian going to church, working against the kingdom of God, living in a mind that's contrary to truth. The Bible says where there's envy, where there's selfishness, every evil work is present. It says, who is wise in understanding among you? James 3.13. Who is wise in understanding? Who really knows what they're talking about? Let the works of their life be done in the meekness of wisdom. If you have bitter envy or self-seeking in your heart, don't boast and lie against the truth. Don't appear to be something you're not and don't not deal with your heart. If you've got selfishness in your heart, don't ignore it and call it normal. Don't boast and lie against the truth. The truth is you were never made for yourself. 
You see, zero selfishness permitted in the Christian life. Be honest with me. If you're discouraged, where's your focus? On you and how whatever is affecting you and what it's creating for you and what you have to deal with now. Come on, guys. We get moved and frustrated. We've got our flesh pretty soft with a lot of the teachings we've heard. I mean, we're just frustrated if the traffic's backed up. We're inconvenienced if the line's eight long at the cash register. And if the cell phone battery's almost dead and we don't have a charger, we're almost dead. No. We, we, we sing to him and let life revolve around us. We prove it. And if somebody says something wrong to us, we're hurt, mad, offended, or angry. That's a dead giveaway that you don't understand the gospel like you could. I didn't come here to be mean. I came here to help. See, here's the raw truth. I'm going to get in a car later today and drive back home, and life's going to stay the same, and God's going to speak to my heart, and I'm going to have fun everywhere I go. But the reason I drove here is because I believe what I'm telling you. And I believe you have the same calling and it matters and it makes a difference. And because I'm not a selfish man, I drove here. You say, yeah, for an honorarium. No, not for an honorarium. We never talked about it and I didn't even want one. I don't even care about it. I promise you. I care about the kingdom. There's nowhere on a website that you can find a partner with me. There's no way that I give out any way to give to me. It's not even in my thinking. He's rotted his head. They made a website for me. I didn't, it's not my website. I never put me on YouTube. I don't even have a computer. I'm a caveman. <laughs> yeah, I don't even have a computer. So maybe that's why you're so free. <laughs> they were, did a nice thing. They said, they said, this is my friend here, John. They said way back years ago, this message is powerful. It's changing everyone around us. More people need to hear it. And I'm like, They'll hear it. God will get them to hear it. God's doing it. No, no, we, it needs to be. They said, we want to just put a website up and put a few teachings on. I wasn't real crazy about it. And I said, well, if you do that, you need to run it by me and I need to approve of it. You need to make sure that it's something that, I, that represents my heart. John won't mind me telling you this. I don't know if he remembers this conversation. We're on a three-way with Pam and you and me. It was years ago. And, 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 I'm, and they're going over the website. And I said, well... What's that button to click for partners? He said, well, it's just so people know how to give when they want to give when they want. But I'm not asking for anything. Like that's I mean. So why is that button? Dan, it's just because people are going to want to give and they want to. Yeah, but John, I'm not asking for anything. So I don't so I don't understand that button. And he's like, why don't you understand? And not that he was frustrated. It's like, here we go again. Third time. And I said, John, if you put that button there, it sends a statement that I'm asking. And I'm not. And just because every ministry has it, why be rhetorical? Just because every ministry has it. Look, you don't understand. See, you don't know me behind the scenes. A book publisher recently emailed me and said, why haven't you written the book? The body of Christ is waiting for a book. 200,000 copies will sell at print. Imagine the added exposure it would bring to your ministry, not to mention the income. So then I have to call them and correct them and ask them if that's why they're publishing book after book after book in these days. And there's a book craze in the church because of esteem, notoriety and money. That sounds like the world to me. You got to be careful. You write a book. You're not just here's my new book. Check out my book. Here's my book. You don't sell your fruit. People pick it. 
So here I am behind the scenes. Now you imagine people that are, have a different mindset and that publisher emails them, their ships come in. Woo, this is my breakthrough. I'm gonna get my books published. Everybody's gonna hear my name. This is gonna bring in the dough. Publisher, boom, boom, books. Yay, my name, author, author of the year maybe, woo. That email would have come to a certain person. Praise the Lord, calling it God. Maybe not. Huh? Yeah. See, maybe you need to know some of the little things behind the scenes about me. I'm not in this thing to make a living. I mean, it's a calling. It's the kingdom. My living's already made. I'm very alive. <laughs> like, I've settled something. I can't lose. We've already won. I'm never going to die. I'm in. I won. He'll never change his mind. We've won. I'm back home. Can't be anywhere else now. I'm in him and he's in me forever. It's settled. Boom. So let's make the rest of this natural time really matter. And let's write a legacy for the king. And let's push away the dictates of the flesh and the things that stumble and buy time we don't have because we're supposed to redeem it because time is short and days are evil. And let's not let trivial mindsets and he said, she said, and tit for tat, well, I feel, yell, yeah, but get in the way. Because none of them are real. And you're going to find in the end they were false justifications to stay the same and miss what you're here for. Come on. Is this all right to talk that straight? Okay. I got to do something because I got to close here soon. You guys hearing my heart on this, right? I feel like you are. You're a great group of people here. This is all weekend. I was pretty intense. You say, you're intense now. I think I was more intense Friday, Saturday. Morning, afternoon, and night. <laughs> Wasn't I? That's pretty intense. I thought I ran everybody off or something Saturday afternoon. Saturday night, it was all these new faces. Who, who, who wasn't here yet? Everybody, I said, oh, we must have ran them off in the afternoon. Because I talked real militant. I talked what Christianity was. And suffering persecution and stuff. We've got to be careful in this country that if persecution comes, that we have a better plan than picketing. Amen. And protesting. When I started preaching this thing and it started really going crazy and people were like, yeah, and then my buddy Todd White just rose up and grew and matured and everybody knows who he is, it seems. And I used to lay on my bed and cry and say, God, please don't let this be a new language we speak. Let us not chase after a fad and jump on because it's something new and fresh. Please, God, let us become a life that's lived. And let us really become sons and really become daughters. Let's not just embrace the language. Because people write me emails and they say my little quotes in the emails and let me know they're listening. And I'm not being smart and mean. I'm not judging them. It's just obvious that we're language oriented. So they'll say, hey, brother, I'm do do do. Now, listen, I, I'm really OK. I understand I'm created in God's image and he's restored me to his creative value. And I understand I'm a son. And they're saying all the right thing, but they're asking a question and want prayer. So we learn to speak a language. And I just cried on my bed and I'm like, oh, don't let this thing just be a language we speak. Let the life we become. And then what comes to mind is, is Matthew 5. Jesus comes and he says, you say or you have heard it said. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Red letters, Jesus, the way, the truth, the life, the Lord, the truth. You say, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you. There's like six times in Matthew 5 he does that. You say. 
but I say. You say, but I say. What's he saying? You ain't saying what I'm saying. So where'd we get the language? Homeschooled in the wrong home? The way that seems right to a man? The wisdom and spirit of the world in this age? He said, let no man on earth, let no one, even no thing, if you study out the language, be your teacher. You have one teacher, and he's the Christ. Amen. So if there is a gift called teacher in the body, then he better be teaching Christ. Because all teaching comes through him. He's the role model for life. He's not just your suffering savior. He's your role model for life. You follow him. He showed you what life looks like in the Father. He said, follow me. The things I do, you'll do if you believe. See what's on the chopping block? Your belief system. See what the enemy's after? Determining what you believe. So you believe you're hurt. You believe you're frustrated. You believe we're done wrong. You believe somebody owes you something. You believe God just flagrantly ignored while you were going through your pain as a child. You believe a lot of things that are detrimental to calling and destiny, and then it's a dead giveaway whose fingerprints are on the belief system. Because if what you're thinking and believing doesn't produce life, it can't be the Lord. Because He came to give you life and life even more. And then you surround yourself seriously, and social media today is very dangerous because everybody's just throwing out their opinions. It's just a forum of man's opinions. It's absolutely scary when some of my friends show me what everybody's writing about stuff and they're talking about the Lord for like hours on end and they're just throwing out stuff that is so unfounded and it's just so from their own mind. And there's a lot of weird stuff out there. You don't need social media to find the Lord. You get alone in a bedroom, turn off social media and close the door and be with Him. Really? Really? I'm not against... I'm not against computers and social media. Mike and I had a talk this morning about Facebook. I'm not, there's, a, there's a healthy side to everything, but there's a twisted side. And a lot of times I see the twisted, sometimes in that area, the social media, way more than the healthy. Be real careful with that stuff. Don't you find a false identity and a false sense of fitting in and a false sense of connectivity and a false voice? Just go love somebody. Look in their eyes. Give them something. Hug them. Just sitting there casting opinions back and forth. That's a dead-end debate and nobody's accomplishing much. And I'm saying God can't use it. But he called you to walk in love. Are you guys with me? Jesus said, you said love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say to you, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. And not God, knock them off their high, high horse. And give to those who spitefully would use you. Why in the world would I do that? So that you might be sons of your Father in heaven. Who causes the rain and the sun to shine and come upon the righteous and the unrighteous. For what credit is it to you if you love only those that love you? For even the tax collectors and the pagans do that much. Isn't that powerful? Sonship's not a confession. It's an expression. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God. Takes two to tango. Takes one to make peace. 
There was a time in my life it looked like my whole family was against me. They're not against me. They're believing lies. My kids are under pressure. My kids feel compelled. My kids are letting things be real because of my life and the way people esteem and see and they're feeling like I got to follow and do and they got other desires. So they're getting... My wife gets into identity crisis and says, wow, the only reason people say hi to me is because they love him. It was real. And it lasted for years. If you're not careful and secure, you think you're doing something wrong. You think your family's blowing up. You think, well, I'm finally ready to go for Jesus. When I wasn't saved, they all ignored me. Now I'm saved and they still all ignore me. What's the use? And all of a sudden you make it all about you. And you rationalize and then you talk to a hurting person and they console you and you stay the same. Or it empowers your pain. For six years, my wife was lost in identity crisis. Introverted, wouldn't even come to church and I was a pastor. My daughter went off and did a bad mistake in her life, cost herself a lot of years, and my son started using drugs in his mid-teens because he was angry that he was my son, not because I'm a hypocrite, because he said, now I have to do Jesus and everybody's expecting me to be like you. I told him a thousand times over, that's the biggest lie, you be the best you. Stop being deceived by that lie, it's not real. Nobody's expecting anything of you, and if they are, it's not us. And he still just went, Phew. So if you're not careful, it looks like you're failing. I'm not failing. I'm in faith and I'm walking in love and I'm not a frustrated husband and I'm not an angry dad. You say six years is a long time. Truth doesn't know time. See, when it's about you, six years is a long time. Well, Dan, you got to be honest. That was hard to put up with and that's a long time. If she's in this, she's in trouble and she needs Jesus. And he's in me. And now ain't the time to be a frustrated husband. Self-seeking and self-centered, calling Kurt for strength. And if she don't change soon, I can't hold up. And I don't know how long I can hang in there, brother. That language is not from heaven. It's human and it's weak. And if Jesus took that language and God took that language into their vocabulary, none of us are sitting here filled with His Spirit. <laughs> he has Hosea marry Gomer. The harlot lady. <laughs> to send a message and prophesy. She takes off and leaves and goes back to harlotry. He says, what do I do, Lord? He says, go get her and bring her back. She goes, what do I do? Go get her and bring her back. And say to Israel and prophesy. And the gist of what he was saying is, I love you, O Israel, and you'll never make me change my mind. <laughs> when my wife came through that deception... She realized the lie she was believing. It just it wrecked her because she understood and she went, whoa, and God used the way I was able to live and the life that was changed, the consistency to transform her and be face to face with the love of God. When my son came home after being gone for years, he's 123 pounds, addicted to drugs and he knocks on our door. He didn't even want to talk to me. He's writing rap songs saying if I was dead, he could go free and fulfill his dream. That's how twisted he got. But guess whose door he knocked on when he broke? Because I wasn't a hypocrite. I wasn't a Bible-thumping dad. I was just surrendered to Jesus. My kids were in their mid-teens. They had a little parental conference with me. It was hilarious when they were in their mid-teens. Sadly funny. They were in their mid-teens. <laughs> early teens. My boy was early teens. My daughter was mid-teens. They're four or five years apart. They said, Dad, we need to talk. 
I said, okay. They said, we've realized something, that you're extreme. <laughs> that you're out of balance. You're not facing reality. And we've been looking around and there's nobody like you. You're overboard. Even pastor so-and-so and elder so-and-so and, and they're speaking out weaknesses and things they're seeing and they're looking around. And I said, wow, looks like you guys are doing your homework. I said, I guess you're looking to justify a role in the flesh. You're heading somewhere or doing something. You're trying to justify your own conscience. I'm the last turtle you need to jump. I said, here's the problem, guys, with what you're saying. I'm not following so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. I'm following Jesus. Amen. And you go back and you take a good look at his life. And you read red letters and you look at how he responded to men and carried himself in the midst of stuff. And you come back and look at daddy and tell me if your daddy looks like anybody you know. Do you know why he came and knocked on my door when he broke? Because he knows I'm not a hypocrite. I am a man of God. Amen. And he knows he was deceived and he came to himself. The parable of the prodigal son has nothing really to do with the prodigal son. It has to do with a place to go called an amazing loving father. Because if you don't have the father, you don't have the story. We make it all about the son. And it's all about the father. I remember opening the door and my son had been gone for a long time and I hadn't seen his face and he wouldn't talk and he was just out there. I heard the door knock. I'm, I'm a canner. I'm a farmer. I'm an outdoors guy. I take walks in the woods. I, I go fishing. I, I'm like them guys on that commercial. I just... <laughs> I just don't have the beard. So guess what I was doing when he knocked on the door? I'm in the kitchen. My wife's in a, another state visiting her sisters. She's 2,200 miles away. And I got worship blaring in the kitchen because that's who I am. And I'm canning tomatoes. And I'm on a roll, baby. I got jars all over the table. I got a system. Leave me alone. Me and Jesus are doing some tomatoes. <laughs> you ought to see my plants in the yard because they're in my yard. They're my plants. Fruitful vine. It's ridiculous. They, they grow 10 to 12 feet and they go. It's Canaan in my yard is the land of Canaan. <laughs> you got to push wheelbarrows of tomatoes off a few plants into the house. You know, you just can't. It's my yard. It's got to be. No sprays, no nothing. Everybody could have cutworms. There's none in my yard. Why? It's my yard. I'm not kidding. I'm in covenant. And I'm surrendered. And you don't have any power to break my heart or change my day. That's powerful. So all those things can flow. Because I'm not a Christian for my sake. I'm a Christian for his name. So you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things are added to you. I'm canning and I hear, boom, boom, boom. I thought, is that the door? Because it's loud. Brr, pressure canner, get the heat right, Brr, rattling, jamming out, Jesus. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Air conditioner running. I, so that's the door. Look, I don't see anybody on the porch. I thought, well, I thought that was the door. So I open it up and I look and there's my boy flat against the wall. Trembling and crying. I looked out. 
See, here's where you don't want to be. So hurt and angry, disappointed in him. He owes you so much because he's your kid. Are you kidding me? He doesn't owe you anything. What, you had a child so he could fulfill your dream? What, you had a child so he could serve you? What, you're finding yourself through your child? He doesn't owe me anything. He owes himself something in the Lord because he has created value. Come on, parents. We get ruled by our children. You're just bawling. You can't function. No productivity. And you're crying and calling it love because your child's out there wayward. But I love them. No, you're identifying through them and you're crushed and you feel condemned and you think you failed. Probably ought to let that lie die because it's not producing anything good. Because <laughs> the last thing you want to do is open the door and go, what in the blank are you doing here? I mean, where have you been? Like, what are you just popping in with the audacity? You just show up. What? I guess you're out of money. What? You're at wit's end. What? So now you're like crawl back home. Do you even know what you've done to the heart of your mother? Listen, I don't even know what you're thinking, but I think you need to think twice about just knocking on this door. That happens all the time in those situations. You say, well, it's tough love. No, it's called unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. Because if God talked to you like that on the day you were sincere, you'd be tragically hopeless and ended. If you came to God sincere and he said, oh, it's you. Well, why didn't you come years ago when I wooed you? In fact, six years, six months ago, I gave you a better chance than you've ever had. And you just ignored me and blew it off. And you've caused a ton of hell and a ton of pain since then. And now you want to come bawling to me. Listen, it's good I don't slumber because you would let me not sleep. And I'm telling you, I don't even know where we stand anymore. I'll tell you what, I'll have a meeting with the 24 hours. I'll get a hold of you tomorrow and let you know where you even stand with me. Because I don't Look, you hurt me once. I ain't opening my life to hurt me again. And I'm just telling you what, I'm just... Does that sound foolish when you put that in God's mouth? Then it ought to sound foolish in yours. You're made in his image. And if he didn't teach you to talk that way, why are we? We must have learned somewhere else. So what do you do? Hey, buddy. Oh, my goodness. How are you? You're you're not doing good. Man, I'm glad you're here. Can I come in? Come on, man. Can I hug you? Come here. Dad, I don't know where to start. Well, then let me start. Listen, man, I need you to know I'm not disappointed with you and one bit angry. If I've shed one tear, it's for you, son, because you're so much more, so much more than what you've chosen in your living. There's more than hope for you, buddy. I love you so much. I don't know how you can't be mad at that. I don't know how I could be. What, did I have you so you could live your life for me? No, there's a time to be born so you could live your life for God. That's what I cry about. You're so much more. You want those kind of experiences. You want to be in a position where you can respond like that. Because then you know what happens? Stuff like this happens. Or your wife sticks a note in your Bible and you don't know it. And you go to preach and there it is. And you're like, what's this pink sticky? Oh. <laughs> oh, it's not a YouTube fan. It's my wife who lives with me. Hope you have the best weekend ever. You are a true man of God. And I doubt God can find many men, if any, on this earth with your integrity, character, and heart. You want those notes. You don't want to say, well, you know, she ran me around for six years and she just, so you know what, well. 
You know, if that happened to you, we need to get past that and receive mercy and move on. But don't ever let it happen to you again. Learn from those things. And stop letting your life decide by others when your life's decided by Him. And then you open up your Bible and your son sneaks that in there. I love you, Dad. Thanks for surrendering your life to Jesus and becoming the man of God He destined you to be. Thank you for imparting so much truth in me since I was a young child, for never losing sight of me and my value, for fathering me and sticking by my side through thick and thin. Thank you for supporting me strongly through the season of my life when I'm learning who I really am. May the Lord continue to teach you and guide you in divine wisdom, revelation, as Holy Spirit leads you into all truth. I love you, Dad. Again, thank you, your son, Daniel. You want those things in your life. That sure beats being ticked off and being a soap opera, a living soap opera. A human talk show where nobody wins. When it's victim villain, everybody already lost. Because you're not created to be a victim or a villain. You're created to be like him. I'll read this and I'm done. I'm going to turn it over to pastor. He can do anything he wants because he's the pastor. Seriously, I just feel if I don't, I'll be in trouble and it'll get late. I'm going to read this. I told you I would. Colossians 3 is waiting on us. Okay? I'm just going to read to verse 14. I'm, I'm going to try not to stop. I think I can do it. You intercessors, don't be shaken. Pray for me. Believe. Believe. I need faith right now. It's so hard not to preach when you read this stuff. It's so good. Since you've all been raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not the things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members <coughs> which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, it's all idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you all yourselves were when you walked in these things. But now you yourselves are to put off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouths. Don't lie to one another since you've taken off and put off the old man and his deeds and put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So whether there is Greek or Jew or circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, Christ is all and in all. Therefore... As the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, this is his image, put on tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. And if any has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also do. But above all these things, put on love. It is the bond of perfection. Amen? We can live this thing. You're called to it and created for it. And it's the will of God. I'm going to share this one thought that's bombarded me and it just seems out of the box, but I'm going to share it. In my mind, suicide is the biggest lie on the whole planet. 
Let me tell you why. And I don't know why I'm just sharing it right at the end out of the box like this because it's not where I was. But I think God's speaking to someone. Suicide is the biggest lie on the whole planet because it's somebody getting deceived into taking something that's not even theirs. It was never just your life. It was always created to be his life in you. So what suicide does, it doesn't take someone's life. It takes the potential of his life in you. And the lie is, well, it's my life. It never was, friend. It's his life in you. It's to me the biggest deception because men get so deceived that they possess something and take sole possession of something that was never solely theirs. The joy of Christianity, it's not this cost you everything. You got to become a Christian and it'll cost you everything. All it cost you is what you never were in the first place. All he asks you to give back is what you never were created to be so you could become what he created you to be. So why is that so expensive? To give back what you were never created to be. Unless a seed dies and falls to the ground, it abides alone. But if it dies, it'll spring up and bear much fruit. And in this, the Father's well pleased that you bear much fruit and that your fruit remain. God bless you. Thanks for letting me be here. Stay encouraged and run well. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.